Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who've been there. Let's get started. On today's episode, I'm talking to my friend Casey. We've known each other since elementary school. We grew up in the same church, we went to the same elementary, junior high, and high school, and I've continued our friendship into adulthood. She and her husband, TJ, live in College Station, and Casey works for Texas A&M. They have two adorable little girls, Piper and Parker. Casey is the most delightful, joy-filled person you might ever meet. Like, if you met her somewhere, you know, I don't know, a wedding shower or something, you'd quickly pick up on her contagious joy and the fact that Jesus is the story and song of her entire life. But what you might not quickly know is that she found out at 34 weeks pregnant that Wyatt, her seemingly healthy baby boy, didn't have a heartbeat. And you also wouldn't know that Parker has special needs. In this episode, I want you to hear from Casey on how she's navigated these valleys and experienced hope through them. I want you to talk about first your pregnancy with Wyatt. Turning back the time, um, fall of 2013, I find out that we're pregnant. Um, We're so excited. Um, We found out it was a boy. So we're thrilled, so excited. So many things, you know, that you look forward to having a baby. Um, He was doing so great. Um, I loved my OB-GYN, like just walked great through um, 34 weeks. And I went to an appointment the Thursday before Easter um, of that year in 2014. And there was no heartbeat. Um, And you feel like you got punched in the gut. I remember just looking at my, my doctor and her just frantically trying to find a heartbeat. And we ran to get an ultrasound and he was in there, but he, he wasn't alive. Um, and so just knowing that we, we had just had a baby shower too. There were probably 60 of my closest friends in college station at this beautiful baby shower. Um, and in my living room was just all of this boy stuff. Um, my mom and sister had come in town, like just tons of stuff. Um, for him in my living room and just feeling like I remember TJ was not with me. Um, my husband was not with me. And so I called him immediately. Um, and I just said, you have to come here. Like, I need you to come here. You need to come here. And he was like, what happened? What happened? What happened? So, you know, I end up telling him that there's no heartbeat and, you know, I don't know what to do from here, you know, and my doctor was so gracious and just let me cry and just let me kind of process. And, um, we were planning to go to Galveston for the weekend to have like a baby moon. We had friends that were coming with us. Um, and so she, you know, TJ gets there. We are so emotional. I couldn't even call my parents. Um, I couldn't do anything. I mean, you just feel like the wind is sucked out of you. And so I, um, at that point in time, our doctor said, well, it's Easter weekend. I'm going out of town. I know that you were going out of town. We were just talking about it. So why don't we just meet at the hospital on Sunday night? We'll induce you. Um, and, and you'll have the birth and everything. And, and that's when, um, you'll have Wyatt. And so I said, okay. Um, and that was a really hard weekend, but it was a weekend where we drove a golf cart on the beach and like heard from the Lord. Um, and just got to sit and soak in, um, that this was devastating and God was still with us. Um, he was with us. He was weeping with us, knowing that we had just lost our son. Um, and you know, it couldn't have been a better weekend because our best friends were with us. And I think that they were hesitant about coming, but we were like, y'all have to come. Like we need you, you know, we, we just want you to be with us. We don't want to be alone. We're like processing what's happened. Um, and it's just something like my life has been pretty good. Um, and, and it has been so full of joy and just awesome things that the Lord has done. And then I just find out that the baby that we had been preparing for is, is just not going to be here. Um, and so just leading up into that weekend, it's just so interesting that it was Easter because it was like the deepest morning ever, you know, like the punch in the gut came on Thursday and then we actually had him, we were induced on Sunday and had him on Monday. Um, 
but just knowing that what the, what the Lord went through as well, what Jesus went through, like we suffered yeah. so much, yeah. um, you know, but you know what? It also is such a reminder that joy comes in the morning. And so the, it wasn't the end for us, yeah. you know, and, and in that moment, you're just like, will I ever have children? You know, my sister was pregnant with twins at the time. And I was like, how? how can I not have one? And she gets two, you know, I mean, that is like, it's so hard and it was so overwhelming, um, to come home to my house, to all these gifts. Um, you know, it's interesting. The Lord, I feel like was so gracious to me. Ivy, you know, me very well and I'm a planner and I, I like things to be done. And you know what? I did not have one thing on the wall, um, in his nursery. I did not put up the crib. Nothing was up. My mom was coming a few weeks later to help me do all those things. And so while we had a room for him, while we had a place for him, it was empty. Um, and I feel like the Lord just really protected me from that because I didn't fully, see what it would look like to bring him home. We knew that was going to be his room, but it wasn't decorated. Yeah. Which is, um, un, which isn't typical of you. You typically no. would have it done. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like yeah. way sooner. And so that was just such a gift, honestly, from the Lord. And I remember, um, before we went in, my parents came, um, before we went to the hospital, my parent to, to have him, my parents were here that weekend, met us on Sunday. And my mom just looked at me and she was like, we have all of this stuff in here, Casey. And she was like, I don't want any of it to be here when you get home. And so she was like, we just need to go through it. We need to get this together. You know, my mom's such oh, yeah. a planner as well. And she's, she's like, amazing. let's yeah. just do this. Let's do this. And so I literally was like, give it to Lindsay, give it to Lindsay, give it to Lindsay. I want this in a tub. You know, I want to save this. I want to keep this. What if we have another boy, you know? And so we were just going through all these things. Um, and when we came home from the hospital, it was, that room was completely empty. I didn't even know where some of the gifts were, you know? And so, gosh, the Lord just really protected my heart um, in that season of life. And it's very interesting um, the way that you grieve and the way that you think about grief, um, very differently. Like before I didn't really have to grieve a lot. I mean, I definitely had people who had passed away and, um, you know, things that had happened where, where there were things that I did grieve, but you're grieving for a baby that we never knew. And so it was just on a totally different level, a totally different level of grief. Just thinking about, wow, like I don't even know where to go from here in so many instances. And I'll say like TJ and I grieved totally differently. Um, And so that also just like adds so much stress and so much, you know, to already what was going on. Yeah. But I, the Lord was just such an anchor during that time. And, um, I just felt like the, the one thing that got me through every single day is that the Lord was so faithful to me, to meet me where I was, whether I couldn't get out of bed, whether whatever happened, like he was there. Um, and he was there because I saw him in the people that loved us and the food that was made for us and just the flowers that were sent to us. Um, he was there without a doubt. And I also just begged the Lord to send me light, um, and to literally push the darkness out of our home because I just felt so like when you fall into a pit or when you go into the deepest valley, like you can't see light. It is so hard to see light. It's hard to put into perspective what is happening. Um, and so, and I just begged God to show me light and whether it be just a glimmer of hope through my window in my bedroom, or whether it be the brightest sun on the way to work, um, whatever it was like, God showed me light every single day. And you know what? Um, I don't know if you remember this or not, but you came to see me in the hospital and on the way home, you snapped a picture of the sun coming through the clouds and basically told me, Casey, God has big things in store and he is with you no matter what. And I will always remember that. I still have that card. Um, I will always remember that and just know like I am in the deepest valley. I feel like there's not a way out, but God is there and he is so faithful. So that was such a dark time. It's so crazy to think that it was almost seven years ago. Oh, I know. So what did it look like for TJ to grieve? What it looked like for him, especially early on, was just not to really acknowledge anything and just kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So just kind of stuff feelings, stuff things. He didn't really want to talk about it. 
Um, I feel like from the get go, um, I never really questioned God. I never really, um, I was angry and like, I was definitely not okay with what happened, but I wasn't saying like, why did you forsake me? What is happening? You know, like my, my mind didn't go there. Um, I want to read something because I, one book that I like clung to during this time is 365 days of hope by Nancy Guthrie. But one quote that I read about suffering, I want to share because it just, it spoke to me over and over and over again. Um, so she said, you can reflect the character of God in your response to suffering. Instead of demanding that God explain himself and his purpose, you can decide to trust him recognizing that your circumstances provide an unparalleled opportunity to glorify God just by trusting in his purpose, Mm. even when you can't see what that purpose is. Um, And that, like, I read that very early on in this journey of grief and suffering and trying to figure things out. Do we have another kid right away? Like, trying to figure those things out. And that was just like, I don't know. I felt like the Lord grabbed my heart and was like, I know you don't know what's happening, but it is for the glory of me. (laughs) It is for my glory and why it is going to touch the lives of so many people. You have no idea what this message brings to me. And it's going to be because of how you are glorifying me in this storm and in this valley. Um, so that's kind of where I went and TJ went the other way yeah. um, for a while. Which you is know? okay, so, right? Like we yes, all have our own oh journey. My gosh. Yeah. Which honestly, I don't know if I would have done as much work as I did with the Lord if we had been going the same way. Huh. You know, Interesting. like I yeah. might have just relied on TJ more to do that for yeah. me or to just kind of sweep stuff under the rug and not worry about it. I love that we grieve totally differently. I think we grieve differently because we were husband and wife because we're boy and girl. Like we're just different. different. Yeah. Totally different. Um, and the sweetest thing about that is that the Lord, his journey was so different, but we ended up in the same place, um, which was God is so faithful. That's where y'all both ended up. Like, this is for God's glory. This is for something greater. Um, and it is, it's not about us. Like it is about giving glory to God, um, for why it's life. Yeah. And while and it's interesting too, we talk about it. Um, I remember talking about this a lot after he passed away was, you know, we're devastated that he's not here, but TJ would always say like, Casey, he never had to suffer a day on this earth. Yeah. Like there's so much truth in that. Yeah. And just knowing where, why it is. And that he didn't have to suffer here at all. Um, and so there's joy in that. And while it's really hard to recognize and realize, like we were called to go through something really, really difficult for God's glory. Yeah. Yeah. How often do you think about Wyatt? So it's interesting. Um, it's definitely not all the time, but um, especially around the year, um, anniversary. So like in March and April, like the feelings and emotions come back and they come up. I certainly think about him, like as our kids get older, like Piper will be six in April. So why it would have been seven in May. Um, and so just thinking about the parallels there and thinking about our friends who had babies during that year that why it would have been friends with as well. So, um, you know, that's really interesting too. So also something crazy is that Wyatt, um, I would have been a mom first if I had had Wyatt and then Lindsay would have had the twins in July. Yeah. Um, but Lindsay's Lindsay's Casey's sister, by the way. Yes. She's my sister. And so I was able to see Lindsay be a mom and see what that looks like from a different perspective. Um, which was, uh, such a blessing, you know. Yeah. Was it? Um, and were so, there some hard parts of watching Lindsay? Oh my gosh, yes. I remember. So the twins were born in July. I didn't see them till like September or mid to late September, and they were born in the NICU and, and different things. Like there were different hardships there, but I just couldn't do it yeah. for a long time. I couldn't do it. Um, I could see pictures and stuff, but that just made me sad. It made me cry. Um, that was, it was so hard. It was just really hard. Um, but 
the Lord was gracious enough to give me time. Um, My family was so gracious to give me time um, to when I was ready. I got to hold them and love on them and and just enjoy who they were Um, and, and not be as sad. You know, like I was kind of to a place where at that point in time, when I did meet them, I was pregnant again. Right. Um, So we were able to get pregnant pretty quickly after we lost Wyatt. Um, even so like a year and four days after we lost Wyatt, we had Piper. So, um, our daughter. And so it's just crazy. Also, it's crazy to think about if we hadn't lost Wyatt, would we have had Piper? Would we have a Piper at all? Yeah. And so, I mean, the joy that Piper brings to our lives is just unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Talk Um, a little bit about Piper. Tell us about Piper. What is she like? Yes. So Piper is just, Piper has the biggest heart. Um, I don't know whether it's our fault or not. She doesn't really know what strangers are. <laughs> she doesn't know what a stranger is. So she wants everyone to be her best friend. <laughs> oh, she just I, loves. I think that people. may have been that may be a passed down, you know, genetically <laughs> or something. I don't know. I know, right? <laughs> So she just, she has the biggest heart. And, um, I remember when she was in at her old school before she went to kindergarten, there was, um, a janitor there that Piper had gotten to know. Her name was Miss Julia. And on Piper's birthday, Miss Julia had given her a present and I, I happened to see her in the hallway and she was like, I just want you to know that I gave Piper a present for her birthday and I just adore her. She's so sweet. She always talks to me. She always wants to know how I'm doing. Um, and that is huge. I'm just like, and she was three, I think at the time. Um, and I just, her heart is so big. She just loves people so well. Um, she's such a helper. Um, I'll talk more about our daughter Parker in a little bit, but Piper's the best big sister. She wants to hold her and play with her and just like, just rejoice in things that are happy. And like, I just would, um, Piper is joy. Like she brings so much joy to our lives and to our family. Um, she just loves people well and, um, just is so incredibly sweet and kind. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Um, okay. How do you think y'all's journey with Wyatt impacted y'all's parenting? I think for both of us, we like, we want to pour in to Piper. We want to pour into anything that Piper's interested in. Um, so for her, I think it was her fourth or fifth birthday. She was really into rocks. And so like, she was just into collecting rocks and stuff. So TJ like bought this like rock collecting thing. Like there was gold they could sift through. Like, and Piper was just like, daddy, this is the best. Like this, this is, is the hilarious. greatest thing ever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so like whatever she's into, we want to be into, um, you know, like we know that life is precious. We know that life is short, um, especially with our experience with Wyatt. So man, we just want to pour into her. And even more so now, um, just with the challenges that we have with Parker, which we'll talk about later, but we want to make Piper feel extremely special. We want her to know that she is so loved. Um, and that there is a special place for her in our family and in our lives. So we have like mommy daughter dates and daddy daughter dates so that she knows and experiences our love on all different levels. Um, but we are, we and are you're, so thankful. you're intentional about spending specific time with Piper. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We, we definitely carve out the time so that she knows that she individually is so special and is such a special part of our family. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Parker. So you had Piper and then how many, three years later, three a little over four years, we had Parker. So um, we had Piper. It was so easy. She was so great. Um, and we, I thought I wanted to have kids back to back, but I was like, no, like I'm good. Um, I want to wait a little while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we ended up having um, Parker for a little over four years after we had Piper and everything was great with her pregnancy. She was great. Um, I saw the same doctor. I absolutely love her with all my kids. So, um, everything was great. And so we had her, she was great. We went to like her three day appointment with our pediatrician. Perfect. She's great. And then at one week of life, um, Parker started having seizures and we didn't actually know what they were. Like she was doing some weird stuff. And I called our pediatrician to ask, 
And she was like, oh, kids always have these jerks. Like, I'm not worried about it. Well, she kept having them. And so we started recording videos. And so pretty quickly, we got into see our pediatrician and she was like, Casey, that is not what I thought it was. Um, this is a seizure, I think. And so we really need to get you in to see a neurologist. Um, so of course, the mom and me is like, oh my goodness, okay. Freaking out, um, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Freaking out. Yeah. So, um, I mean, up until this point, we had never been in a hospital. I'd never been in a hospital, honestly, except to have my kids. Um, I've never had any surgeries or anything like that. So I'm just like, okay, yes, let's do this. Um, so we saw our pediatrician, I believe on a Friday and, um, we were able to get into the neurologist the following Monday, which is crazy because they had a cancellation, which is how we were able to get in. Typically it's like four to six months to get in to see anybody. So, but that Friday night Parker's seizures were really bad. And so we were like, we kept calling the on-call doctor was like, yeah, go and take her to the ER. So we went to the ER, ended up taking an ambulance to Temple, Texas. So we live in College Station um, and the neurologist was going to be at Baylor Scott and White Temple. So we ended up going to the children's hospital there. Um, I rode in the ambulance with her. TJ followed in the car. I'm so thankful this was before COVID because yeah. both of us could be in the hospital yes. room yeah. um, and we both could be with her. And so Piper went to my in-laws and um, we were able to both be there, but so much um, went into that. And we had EEG after EEG. Um, and the original diagnosis was, you know, she had some trauma during the birth. And um, this is something she's going to grow out of. We're going to give her a little bit of medication and she's going to be fine. Um, and she was for about six weeks. And then her seizures just came back with a vengeance. So we ended up being in and out of the hospital so much. Um just lots of different doctors, lots of different things happening. We went to the ER more than I can even count right, on my hands. Right. Um, I've ridden in the ambulance now a lot <laughs> with Parker as well. So I'm like, goodness. Um, so that is, uh, we did that so often. Then we got genetic testing because they couldn't find anything wrong with her necessarily. They were just like, okay, we're just going to control the seizures. We don't know necessarily what her diagnosis is. So then we get genetic testing and it comes back that Parker has a rare genetic disorder. It's called STXBP1 um, with encephalopathy, which basically means she has a super rare form of epilepsy. Um, so lots of seizures there, but also that comes with abnormal brain activity and very, very delayed developmental issues. Um, so kind of all wrapped into a bow and it's interesting. Um, we got the genetic results in my, I got it in my email before we ever talked to a geneticist. I remember. About it. Yes. Yes. And I so remember you. Results. And then you're Googling this and you're like, oh yes. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so terrifying. Yes. Um, because basically her diagnosis said, um, she may never walk. She may never talk. She could die any day now, basically. And so I'm just like, Oh Lord, what have we done? And it's interesting. We both like talk about it now and we're like, we had a week to kind of let it sink in, right? We had a week to kind of like think about it. We Googled it. We never Googled it again. We Googled it the one time. <laughs> I <laughs> we remember like, you being like, we Googled else. it once and then we decided not to do that anymore. Yeah. And we were uh, good. We were good. Yeah. Um, and so the geneticist that we saw was like, oh my gosh, that should never happen. We're so sorry. We don't know how that happened. And we both were like, well, you know, we've kind of had some time to process, um, but we would love your thoughts, you know, on, on what we need to do and, and how this works out. And so she said, you know, Baylor Scott and White, we really can't move forward with Parker because we just don't have the capabilities to do so. And so she recommended we go to Texas Children's in Houston. And oh my goodness. God is so good. First of all, just in general, right? He protected us. He protected Sweet Parker. Um, we never had a bad hospital stay. We had the greatest nurses and just sweetest people that loved on us and cared for Parker. Um, but my boss that I worked for, um, his daughter went to medical school with the STX BP1 specialist that works at Texas Children's. 
Okay. So my boss just said, my boss is like, Hey, my daughter has a special needs kid. She's a doctor. Why don't you just reach out to her and just see if she has any contacts, um, that you could get in to see to Texas children's. Cause it's very, very difficult. It's very hard. If you don't know somebody, I mean, they tell you, you could see someone in six to eight months. Um, and this is like Parker's still having seizures, right? Like we've got to get this stuff under control. And she was doing some really weird movements that they couldn't tell us what they were. So we were just like, we've got to see someone ASAP. So I, I ended up texting her back and forth and she was like, Hey, this doctor is really good. I went to med school with him. You should reach out. I'll reach She was like, I'll reach out to him and let you know kind of what to do, you know? So she reaches out to him. Well, he moved to Germany <laughs> very recently, probably like within months of this happening. He moved to Germany to do all these STX PP1 um, experiments and things over there. Yeah, like how Germany. rare is this? How? Oh. It, like crazy. So there's 200 known cases in the world. In the um, world? In the world. Yeah. So and you and found lady, you had a connection with the guy. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. Yeah. So he moved to Germany. And so he's he responds and says, Hey, Dr. Holder is he is the STX BP1 specialist there now. That's who she needs to see. So this was probably a week later. I get a phone call from Texas Children's from his scheduler. Wow. Um, this is in September. And she says, You can come to Texas Children's on October 4th. And we're gonna set you up with a neurologist. You're gonna meet Dr. Holder and the developmental doctor there. So we are just like, I'm in awe. Yeah. Of, I just can't, I just, I don't even know what to say, but to cry and just be like, God, you are so good. Like, thank you so much for basically just leading and guiding us on this journey where we don't know what's going to happen next. Like we have no idea, um, what's going to happen next. And so we get there, um, she had an EEG. So they were able to read the EEG, look at her movements, everything before we even saw them. So, which was amazing. It just all worked out. How old is she at this so point? She was four months old. Okay. So we're getting answers and we're so thankful. And I remember this was pre COVID, right? But we were in this little room and like 10 doctors come in, literally 10 doctors come in. And so they're like, Hey, this is so-and-so, you know, they're all introducing themselves. And they're like, we've looked at the videos. We've done this. We've done this. And, um, I said, yeah, we can't really figure out like she's doing all these weird movements and, you know, the other people can tell us what was wrong. And the first thing they said was, well, she's having infantile spasms. We, she had seven on the EEG and we're just like, what? Yeah. We're just like, we're so glad that you can put a name to that. Seriously. Yeah. And she was like, and by the way, sorry to bust your bubble, but, um, she needs to be on steroids right now to control the, the spasms and we need to hospitalize you today. Oh my God. So we're like, okay. <laughs> and that set us on a trajectory and a journey to be in and out of the hospital a whole lot. Parker's first year of life. Um, and so it was a lot. We had surgery. Parker had surgery to have a feeding tube put in because she was not gaining weight. She was not sucking her bottle. Um, so just so many things um, happened and, and, were done to Parker, but through it all, right. God was with us. He was present. He has been so faithful in the journey with Parker. Um, we don't know what tomorrow brings for Parker. Um, TJ and I talk about it all the time and we're like, we live life to the fullest with Parker today because we don't know what tomorrow looks like. Um, and so for us, we take every day, like one day at a time, and so we just love Parker for who she is right now, not who Parker will be, not what she'll become, but who she is today. Um, and that's such a, a beautiful picture, I feel like, of the gospel and just how the Lord loves us. Um, and so I am constantly reminded of the love of Jesus when I look at Parker. And I think more than anything, and it, it gets me every time, Ivy, I'm not like every single time I think about it. Like the Lord created Parker in my womb, the way that she was supposed to be created, knowing that I would be her mom. Yes. And TJ would be her dad. Yes. And that more than anything else, I'm just like, God is so big. Like he knows everything. And yet he created Parker with this condition, with just everything that's happened to her, like 
he did that knowing that we would be her parents and we would walk through this life with her. Yes. And there is so much joy in that. And just being reminded like Parker's life is for the glory of God. Like it is for the glory of God, for his glory. We've had so many people who have loved us in this journey, who have given us money to pay medical bills, who have brought us food. Um, Like it is unbelievable. The amount of lives that Parker has touched as well. So um, TJ and I have been married almost nine years. And I just feel like sometimes we've married 20 years with the amount of life that we've lived together. Yeah, It's so much. It's so much. So what does it look like? I'm just, what does it look like for you? You know, when you're in the hospital with her and you're getting kind of news you weren't expecting or you're waiting and she's in surgery and you're sitting there. Mm -hmm. What does it look like for you to experience God in those moments? So I think it looks like the Lord removing that fear and that anxiety because it is everywhere, especially in a hospital where you see so many sick kids, especially in a children's hospital where there's just sick kids everywhere, um, everywhere. There's sick kids and kids who are going through so many hard things. Um, it's, it's a vision. I know I've kind of talked about this a little bit, but it's a vision of God, like, pushing back the darkness. It is him taking off the fear and taking off the anxiety so that I can see some light and know that in the midst of this really difficult time, God will sustain me. He will carry me when I cannot carry myself. Um, and that is what that looks like. Like I remember my mom who I haven't talked about yet. So I'll probably cry, but my mom, (laughs) and I didn't mention this earlier, but my parents also lost a child. And so my parents like served us and loved us, like knowing what it felt like to lose a child before that child was born. My parents served and loved us. And I feel like that was a huge turning point, even in our marriage um, with TJ, like get like our families are totally different. And so him getting to know my family a little bit more, he was just like, wow, your mom just loved me so much. Like I can't. Like, I know that the Lord loves me a lot and I know that his, his love is big and wide and and everything like that. But your mom came here. She lived with us for two weeks when we lost Wyatt and just loved us and served us and didn't ask for anything in return. And was just like, how can I help? What can I do? What laundry needs to be done? Like the hands and feet of Jesus to us. And I have seen that over and over and over again. Um, with Piper, but also with Parker and just the way that my mom has lived in hospitals with me <laughs> she, for yes. as long as yes. possible. Been in there with you, you know, yes. so many times. Like in the trenches, um, hearing the same news that we hear and, and walking with me through something that is so difficult and so hard to even swallow, um, you know? And so um, my mom's my hero. <laughs> And I just, I could not, um, have gone through what we went through without her love and her support and just her presence. Like I remember one time and it was probably the fourth or fifth time we'd gone to the hospital with Parker before her diagnosis. And she was still having seizures. And my mom just saying, I'm putting my flashers on and I'm going to be there in two hours. <laughs> like if she just, dropped, yes. she just like went as fast as she could to be with me and to just give me a big hug and cry with me in the ER, you know, and what a picture of Jesus, because that's what he does too. Um, but like my mom is my hero and, um, just her love for us and for my kids. And the first year of Parker's life, my mom definitely was with me more than my dad, (laughs) right? I mean, like lived with us more. Yes. Um, and just both of them, adore my kids. Um, but it is just unreal. Just the love and the support that my mom has given me, um, with having a special needs kid and having Parker who is not going to be like Piper. Um, and just like the gentle reminder that that's okay. Um, and that we love Parker for who she is today and not who she'll become. Um, and just 
like love her and, and grab her tightly and just know, um, that, that it's going to be okay. No matter what happens in Parker's life, the Lord is constant. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And in the deepest valleys and in the highest mountaintops, he's the same God. Like he is the same God. Um, and I love that. I love um, just who he is and what he's done um, in our lives. You know that verse in Isaiah 45 that says, I yes. will give you treasures in darkness. And I was wondering if you could cite some treasures that you've experienced in some of your hardest moments. There's so many. Um, one thing, and, and I'm going to kind of go back a little bit um, when I had Wyatt, but um, a dear friend talked to me and said, hey, the Lord told me to write you a letter and you're going to get a letter from me every week for a year during this time when you lost Wyatt. I love And so if no one remembered Wyatt Killinan, I know somebody did. And he was not forgotten because I got a a letter in the mail and it might've just been scripture. It might've been a song. Yeah. Um, It might've been just Casey, I'm thinking about you this week and this is what I'm praying for you. Like that showed me the Lord's goodness and just said, I will never, like the Lord will never forsake me Yeah, ever, ever, ever. He is always with me. That is just one example. Um, when we lost Wyatt, where I just was like, this is unreal. Like, I'm so thankful that this sweet friend is doing that for me. Um, and, and something else, actually, a few years after we lost Wyatt, I had a friend from college who had a baby that was born with lots of issues. She was born a little too early. She was born the day that Wyatt died and she died the day that Piper was born. No. Um, and that's not a coincidence. <laughs> like that's not a coincidence. Um, and I went to minister to her and her husband and, um, was able to just love them, um, in that moment, because I know what it feels like, um, you know, and that's a dear friend from college that, um, like that was two years after we lost Wyatt and that's, it's just not a coincidence. Um, and that's just a sweet thing that, um, the Lord just gave me the courage to talk about and to kind of flesh out like what God had done for me. What were some things that he had given me during this really difficult time? Um, I sent her like all the books that I read when I lost Wyatt, um, and just ways that the Lord had really spoken to me, um, and, and songs that I listened to, like when I couldn't speak or when I couldn't read, like, I just wanted to listen to worship music. Um, and I wanted to hear the Lord minister to me in that. And he always has done that way before I lost Wyatt. Um, that's just a precious way that the Lord has ministered to me and to my heart is through music. Okay. Last question. What are ways that people have loved and supported y'all? Just by showing up. Yeah. Honestly, we got so many things and going back to Wyatt, we got so many flowers and, and gifts and, um, gift cards and meals and just like everyone showed up. Um, and it, and so many people didn't even ask things just started coming. And, um, and I think that's what I would tell anyone. Like you hear so often, like, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. Just show up, just show up, just get a frozen meal, just get a bouquet of flowers together and put them on the porch and just say, I love you. Like you're known. And I love you during this really hard time. Um, I think that was one of my fears is that as time went on, people would forget about Wyatt. And in my heart, I would just be like, gosh, I don't want anybody to. And right about the time that I was feeling really down, I would get a package or I would get a card or I would get a note reminding me that his life lives on forever. Like it's okay. You know, like he's not going to be forgotten, Casey. He's not, he's my son. He's not going to be forgotten. Um, and so Gosh, so many people showed up then. And then with Parker, oh my goodness, um, our community group, our friends just loved on us so well. Um, whether it was when students um, 
whether our community group came and they like cut our lawn, they did so many things for us. They just loved us so well. I feel like I had to meal train for like three months. People were just <laughs> yeah. like always bringing us food, always bringing us meals. Um, sweet friends like you, um, came to visit me in the hospital when that was a thing before COVID. And so that like, Oh, that just like lights up your life. Um, so much because all, you know, is kind of the four walls of the hospital. And so when you can see friends who just love you and they know who you are and they don't have to say anything, they can just take you to eat pizza and it just makes it all better. Yeah. Um, but Kali, there are so many people yeah. that just have poured out their money and their time and their gifts to our family. And we are eternally grateful for that. Eternally grateful for that. Um, even just saying like, hey, we'll take Piper to school. We can help you do this. We'll whatever it was, um, because everything happened quickly, especially when you have to be in the ER or when right. you're on an ambulance right. ride to Texas Children's. Um, and you know what else? Something that is really neat. Um, so I work with incredible people and in my job. I love my job. Um, for anyone who knows me, they know I love my job. I, I work with college students at Texas A&M and it's the best job in the whole world. I just love <laughs> pouring into them and loving yes. on them and, and listening to their stories and just helping them in, um, with their courses and their careers and, and where they want to go. So um, the Lord gave me a new coworker. Um, before about six months before Parker was born and her son has half a heart. And so I remember going through this really difficult time. Um, her name is Brittany and she's amazing. And she was like, Hey, these are things that I wish I had known. So she told me like how to fight the insurance, how to do this, like all of these things that I had no idea about. Brittany was like in my corner and Whoa. was like, Hey, yeah. think about this do this, like things that I had not even thought about. Yes. She started the GoFundMe page so that we could have medical bills paid um, without even asking. She would just like threw it together and was like, I hope this is okay. And I'm like, yes, thank but you. But she had gone through it. So she knew. Yes. Like, yes. you know. Yes. And that's probably also one of the sweetest gifts that God gave me was to walk with a coworker who works very closely yes. with me. We talk every single day. <laughs> um, And just knowing like, it is going to be okay. And it's going to be really hard. And you have to be an advocate. You got to fight for Parker, right? You got to fight for her. You know, you got to fight for her. And if you don't agree with something or you're unsure, you got to ask lots of questions and you got to, you got to fight for her. Um, and I'm so grateful that the Lord placed her. That's not coincidence either. The Lord placed her as my coworker six months before Parker was born. We created this relationship. And then it was just like, we got it taken care of, Casey. I know this is hard. We'll carry the slack for you. Don't worry about anything. Yeah. You know, because I was in the hospital a lot. I was working from the hospital a lot, which I think helped my sanity a little bit. Um, but golly, she was the sweetest. And just like, I I fought for Parker from then on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And she's I like, just, you got to like, do didn't this. take no for an answer. I wouldn't take no for an answer. Yeah. I'm and, like, well, this bill isn't correct or no, that's not the right prescription or well, whatever. And this past year, you, this past year, you've done all of the physical therapy <laughs> over Zoom, right? Yes. <laughs> like yes, Casey so basically perfect. has been able to be a part-time physical therapist. Right? It's amazing. Exactly. exactly. But so, yeah, you're going to do what about, you have to do. Yeah. Yes, exactly. She has like about 12 therapies a month. So all of them, like we're over zoom, we're slowly starting to have <sighs> our therapists come back in the home. Yes. But in general, golly, yes. Um, and I'm, I'm able to do those things and have that kind of like, I'm an advocate for her because of Jesus Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. because of the encouragement of those around me to say like, yes, you should get that for her or you should pursue that. Casey, didn't your, um, students like give y'all a gift or something. Yes. I oh mean, my it's goodness. The sweetest yes. thing. So they gave us, um, they gave us a gift card to, um, a fancy restaurant in town and basically had this huge card filled with, with signatures and just like praying for you. And we love so you. Sweet. And this is when Wyatt passed away. So I had all of this when, when Wyatt died, but I also had like a diaper drive when we had Parker and I got millions of diapers from college students who probably don't even know where the diaper aisle is. 
in H-E-B. <laughs> that <laughs> and is they so were just sweet. like ordering things on Amazon and just like loving us yeah. to the nth degree, right? Oh, so I, love it. I just, I literally have the best job in the world. I work with the greatest students ever. And I'm constantly reminded that my life and the hard things that I do is for the glory of God. And I feel like this past year, God in so many different ways has said, you can do hard things. It's okay. And it might suck. It's not fun. (laughs) Like it might be terrible, Casey, because you've gone through some pretty terrible things, but it is for my glory. Mm. It is for something so much greater than what it is that you're going through. And by the way, I'm so much bigger than anything else you'll ever go through. I'm bigger. Yeah. I'm bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And I just feel like that is the sweetest reminder. I did some like Facebook digging to see like what I had written around the time that we lost Wyatt. And I didn't write a whole bunch, but I, this, I was reading this book, 365 Days of Hope. Again, I highly recommend it. It's a short devotional every day. I kind of, she kind of went through the stages of grief um, a little bit in there. So if you've, if you are grieving or it's just a great, great book um, to have and just such a reminder, a a great way to start the day and just a little nugget of hope um, for you. So this last little, little quote that I'll share with you is also from Nancy Guthrie. And it says, the grace God provides to you is enough for whatever suffering he allows into your life. Not just enough to survive, but enough to equip you to emerge from the suffering with faith intact and hope for the future. And that was like, I wanted, I wanted that to be my life, right? Like even in the midst of Wyatt, even in the midst of Parker, like I pray that that's how the Lord uses me. And I promise you from my own life, suffering is not the end. Yeah. It's not the end. Yeah. Like there is joy in the morning. I love that. She says you can emerge from your suffering with faith intact and hope for the future. And our hope is in Jesus Christ. You know how there are those certain days in your life that no matter how much time separates you from that day, you will vividly remember it for the rest of your life. The day Casey delivered Wyatt is a day like that for me. That morning, I drove to Brian, and Casey's parents and I sat there together in the waiting room for several hours while Casey delivered him. I watched young parents get on the elevator to leave with their new babies. I watched dads come out and announce the gender to eager grandparents. I mean, how could so much joy and so much grief exist in the very same setting? That was a hard day. I remember driving back to Dallas early evening, and it was raining. Like, my windshield wipers were on full speed, and I was crying. I was crying out to God, talking about how unfair this all felt. How sad I was that my friend Casey was walking through this. It just didn't seem to make sense. At some point, I looked left out the driver's side window. And while it was raining, I could see in the distance the sun shining through those dark rain clouds. You've probably noticed when the sky does this, you know, the rays of sun look so distinct in contrast to the dark, dark sky. And in that moment, I felt this voice say, that's what I'm doing, Ivy. I can shine through the darkest of days and I will shine through this. As I sat recording this podcast, talking with Casey, what I saw was rays of his light shining through. I mean, Casey talked about the way Piper loves everyone she meets, the janitor at her school, her sister, her parents. That's a light. The way Casey's mom shows up 
takes action, says the right things at the right times, that is light. The way Casey was able to show up to her friend who walked a similar journey, that is light. The way college students got together and did something to say they cared, that is light. The way Casey's coworker had experiences that allowed her to be able to give some good advice, that is light. And this list goes on and on. These are specific ways that God shines through even in our very darkest moments. He is near. He is near. He is at work. And I know this is a longer episode, but I felt really led to end um, by reading this to you. And so wherever you are, I pray that it, it speaks to you. Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down. And when I stand up, you understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the sea, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned. Before a single one of them began, God, how difficult your thoughts are for me to comprehend. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. I hope you found something that you can relate to from today's conversation. And thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or just want more tips for parents, let me know at ilassiter at fbrichardson.org. I'd love to talk with you. See you next time on the Four Parents Podcast.